Pastor Kevin told me that he likes to preach in series of messages. And of course, this month has been the mosaic, the city church, which has been really my whole message. So I don't know how to conclude my series. I've only got about 54 more sermons on this subject to bring you to a halfway understanding. But uh, I tell you, really, this, this week in my meditation, I had so much going through my mind, I just said, Lord, you've got to help me because I, I, you've got, you got to bring up what you want me to say because I want to leave something in, the, in your thinking today that you can think of later this week and say, I see that. Amen? And so I think next month, we've talked a little bit about it, but I think next month will have to do with the inward man. And I think I'm going to try to somehow to connect that. I don't know how I'll do that. But anyhow, let's see, where where am I? This is Legacy and the ALC. That's where I am. Okay. Folks, I started off bad. I left my telephone on top of the car when I came in this morning. So that wasn't a good start. I want to testify today. I feel better today than I have in years. It happened about about uh, two or three weeks ago. All of a sudden, I felt so good, and when I it was at that time, I began to feel so good that I realized how bad I'd been feeling. You ever you ever felt that bad? You had to get better so you know how bad you were were off. You had to get better. And, uh, and, I'm, and I attribute it to what the Lord's been doing with us as the ALC here, a part of Legacy, our joining together, praying together, doing life together. And I just want to say thanks today for that. I believe I'm receiving a healing. I was uh, talking to someone yesterday about this, and, and I've told you from the pulpit how bad I felt. I felt not long, long ago, I felt like I was dying. I had to start saying the Scripture I will not die but live and declare the works of God. He's chasing me sorely, but He's not given me over unto death. And uh, I mean, I would find myself in the shower feeling so bad that I'd have to start saying that because my tendency was to think, I feel like I'm dying. So I don't know if that gives you a clue of how bad I felt. But come to find out, probably the primary reason for that was I wasn't getting any sleep. You've heard of REM sleep? For months, if not years, I hadn't been there. And uh, so that's been worked out. Thank God for medical miracles. But we all know where healing comes from, don't we? A merry heart does good like a medicine. So a medicine does good, so we don't say medicine's bad. But we know ultimately all healing comes from the Lord. Aren't you glad your body's made in a way to heal itself? That's a God thing, isn't it? So anyhow, thank you so much for your prayers, and thank you for receiving us with your love. I tell you, love has been a healer as well during our time here. It's already been about six months. You realize that? It's passed real fast, hasn't it? Wait till you're 70. It really will pass fast. (laughs) It's the truth. It's a mathematical equation. I don't know if you've ever heard that. When you're 50 years old, one year is only, what, 2% of your life? When you're a year old, 
How, how much of it, of it is your life? 100%. So do the equations. Now that's why when you say that pastoral fast, there's a reason for that. <clears throat> All right. Let me see. Where are we? I know where I am now. Now where are we? We could do a lot of review, and uh, I want to say some things in a reviewing way. But here's what we do need to understand. The city church is not a good idea. The city church is God's idea. And I believe it goes back before the foundation of the world. The city church is mentioned at least 11, if not 12 times, if you count the church at Rome in the Bible. Yet we don't hear about city churches. Paul even addressed the Laodicean church in the book of Philippians, if you remember correctly. I believe it was Philippians, if not Colossians. Addressed it four times. So when, when the apostles wrote to, to the church, or the churches, it would be in, in the city. The book of Galatians is not a city. How many of you know that that's a region with many cities? So we found that out, and that's very important. We found out there's only one city church in our city. We don't, we don't believe that the city is defined by the city limits. The city, the city church is defined by the Spirit of the Lord. But here's one thing that I really think we want to hit on today just a little bit, is that we are the city church. Here is the city church. Now, we don't call ourselves the city church. We call ourselves Legacy and Abundant Life. That's appropriate. If you start calling yourself the city church, you're in trouble. You've already lost the spirit of what the city church is. Amen? But I'll show you from the scripture today, I hope, I'll have time for us to see once again that we're the city church. Let me go ahead and go to the end of the message and, and do that already because you need to know that. In Revelation chapter 21, let's be reminded of that again, that the Lord said to, to, to John, He said, Come and I'll show you the bride. You remember hearing that passage? And he showed him the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. You are the new Jerusalem. You are the city church. The Bible says in, he in Hebrews, it says, here we have no continuing city. Don't lose me, folks. This is very important. But we are looking for a city to come. And we are that city. Meanwhile, here's the, here's the message of my, my life's message, my primary message now for 43 years, has been that we, the church, need to get together. I, I, I believe with all of my heart that what happened two or three Tuesdays ago when the Lord fell on us here in a way that I have not had happened to me for years, physically fell on us. And I and I came and spoke to Pastor Kevin. I prophesied to him. And then when I went to sit down, the Lord said, you go back and lay hands on Pastor Kevin. And I knew it was the Lord because I had one of those kind of moments. You know? It literally felt like that, like, like, like there was something coming out of my body. And I went and laid my hands on Pastor Kevin. He testified to that. And, and, I, and, and here's what, what we heard. You need to hear this again. If you've heard it already, you need to hear it for the first time if you haven't. I had said to him on the golf course on hole number two, 
halfway down the hole to the par five, Brad. Wally, you know that. And as we were getting out of the cart, because it's car path only for those of you guys who play golf, you know what I'm talking about. We had to get out of the cart on the cart path and walk all the way across the, to our ball. While Pastor Kevin was walking his ball and I was walking behind him because mine wasn't quite as far down the fairway, I said to him, I believe that what the Lord said to me was that I've been calling the bones together and now your, your, your ministry is to put the sinews, the flesh, and the skin on this body. And we were talking about Ezekiel 37. And, the, and Ezekiel said, I saw standing up a great and mighty army. And so I believe that that's really somewhat in a function of what we're talking about. I, I believe that, and I'm not trying to patronize, patron, patronize Brother Kevin, but I believe God's raised him up for that purpose. There's more to Pastor Kevin's ministry than just Reformation, though that's very obviously uh, a point of his thrust. But I believe God's going to call him together to do something in a powerful way concerning the sinews, the flesh, and the skin so that this army can stand up with the breath of God prophesied of that breath of God come and so all, all I've been doing for 43 years is saying let's get together yeah 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 we can have a swinging time let's get together what do you say <laughs> now really 43 years ago this coming July 43 years ago our first publication says come together and that's all I've been saying Let's come together. <clears throat> We're better together than we are apart. We're better together than we are fragmented. We're better together than we are divided. As a matter of fact, a house divided against itself will not stand. Even Satan's kingdom can't stand if he's divided against himself. So division is a great disease that we want to see the body of Christ healed of. And God raise up His mighty army. Now, here, now here's what we've, we've been saying, and I've, I've heard Pastor Kevin say this, and I'll repeat it again. We are a seed. We are a gathering of a seed that we want to see multiplied. That's how God works. He works with seeds, and then He multiplies the seeds. They reproduce after their kind. If you want better things to happen around you, be, be, be a better person. If you want love to be happening around you, love. Whatever you sow, you also reap because you're seed. You're sons of the kingdom. That's what Jesus said about that sowing seeds, is you're sons of the kingdom. Remember that? I believe that's Matthew chapter 13, if I recall correctly. So anyhow, so that's what we've been talking about. So let's turn back, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 because really this is probably the declaration of independence of the message of the city church. And you'd be surprised if I were to give you a test how many of you would fail it. I hate to say that to you, but it's true. I've preached to people for 10, 15, 20 years and, and give them that test and they'd fail it. Not the ones who are laughing at it, of course. See, I'm not being unkind when I say that because, I, you know, I always say to the Lord, Lord, I want to preach the seasoned word, the seasonable word, the word that's in season. I want the people to receive the meat that they need for this time. 
See, my responsibility is to, is to sow the seed. My, my responsibility is not make it happen. Amen? How many of you ever tried to make something happen you've been praying about? It's pretty frustrating, isn't it? It's really burdening, isn't it? Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a rest that belongs to the people of God. The more I find myself resting in the, His ability to really get it across, the more I find that I can stand before you today and just relax. As a younger preacher, I just tried to pack it down their throats. I'll tell you what. And I got upset with them when they would throw up. Isn't that true? You ever done that with any of your children? And no matter how many little, little planes you had flying, they still didn't want to eat it. You wanted to grab them by the collar and just... Maybe you did. So Ephesians chapter 4, are you there? Let's, let's read that little, those verses. This is how I read it in Ephesians 4, 1, verse 1. You ready there? I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. I have been chastened by that verse more than any other verse for 43 years. Because I think I've confessed I had the, the, the anointing of straightening people out. Anybody got that anointing in here? You won't confess it? Okay. Endeavoring, here, here, now here's the question I would ask and most would miss it. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Did it say endeavor to get it? You don't have to get it because He's already given it. When you were joined to the Lord, you were joined to one another. When we violate that, that's when we're in trouble with God. That's when we grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. And when you've grieved and quenched the Holy Spirit, you have nobody to teach you. And we wonder why the body of Christ at large seems to be so untaught. Isn't that true? It's because the teacher is not there to teach. The Holy Spirit is the teacher, isn't He? Jesus said, when He comes, He'll lead you into all truth. If He's not leading you, what are you getting into? Doctrines of demons and deceiving spirits. Amen? That's 1 Timothy 4.1, by the way. Many will depart from the faith in these last days, and they'll be given over to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We'll see that later in this passage. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then I immediately go over to verse 13. Are you there? Till we all come. Somebody say all. So you don't quit until we all come. So how many of you know what's going to be to the end? We're going to still be endeavoring for the unity of the faith. Keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace till we come to the unity of the faith. And, and this is very important. And he said, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. 
I submit to you that the knowledge of the Son of God is hand in hand with keeping the unity in the Spirit and pursuing the unity of the faith. If you're not committed to that, then you're not going to come into the knowledge of the Son of God. You're going to have information about the Son of God, but you're not going to have the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God comes by revelation. Remember Proverbs 29, 18. Without a vision, the people perish. Remember that verse? Literally, that verse means without a redemptive revelation, the people cast off all restraint. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The hidden things belong to the Lord. But those that are revealed belong to us and to our children. Isn't that interesting? We talked the last time we were together about the things that are hidden. This thing, I, I've come to understand over the last few years of my Christianity, that, that the Lord and I are very personally acquainted, and that my inheritance depends upon that personal relationship that I will carry with me forever. When, when, when you start realizing that, you sort of get a little more interested in your daily experience. I think this all began back, back in 1990 with me when I began to seek the Lord because I was so bad off. Nobody else has been here, I know, but I was bad off. I, I looked in the mirror and I didn't like who I saw and I didn't like who I thought I was and I was not. I didn't get any amens on that, so feeling awful lonely up here. The man in the mirror was not the man that I wanted to be. So I began to press into God and began to seek after the Lord and found out in the process of time in these last 28 years that it's He that works in me. I can't work on myself. It's He who works in me. And because of the work He does in me, then I can work with what He works in me in myself. You know, here's what I said, and I need to say this to you very often. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says this, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Remember that? And he says, It is He who works in you to will and to do of His good pleasure. Here's what I came away with that over the past years. And here's how I desired, I prayed. I said, Father, I will Your will and my will that I may will Your will. That's not tongue talking. That's real. That's, I mean. And Father, I desire your desire in my desire that I will desire your desire. It's a continual work. How many of you know that's good praying? He said, you have what you ask. And so I've been praying for that. And invariably when I'm reminded to pray for that, I realize that I'm falling short of that. But that's what prayer is all about, isn't it? It's between you and the Lord. As much as I'd like to think it's between me and the Lord and my wife, it's really not. Somebody say amen. We're heirs together of the grace of life, which is really what I'd like to keep get talking about after a while. We're heirs together of the grace of life. How grace gets to me depends on how I treat her. You see, if there's anything in the, in the city church message that we, we need to really hear is that Ultimately, this thing about Christianity in the city church is how we treat each other. It's not much how, we th how much more spiritual we think that we are in each other than others, or how many more gifts we have, or how much more anointing, or how much more moved, but it's how we treat each other. 
I told my wife yesterday, I believe it was, maybe this morning, that the Lord is whipping me about thinking hard of folks. And there's some folks on television that I can't help but think hard of. There's some politicians that I can't help but think hard of. But you know the Lord's whipping me over that thing because He doesn't want that in my spirit. He doesn't want what they are demonstrating to become a part of my, my own spirit. And, I'm, and so I'm having to repent of that afresh. I'm talking about repentance. That's the, that's the word of repentance. I'm having to repent again. Lord, here I am again. Forgive me. You know what I'm thinking about her, him. You know what I'm thinking. There's no need for me to hide it from you. You see everything. You hear everything. You know everything. So here I am. You've got a problem, Lord. And it's me. And the Lord said, I can handle that. With men it's impossible, but not with God. Amen? Now, let's keep on reading. To a perfect man, or to a man who's fully mature, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Are you with me there? I'm still in Ephesians 4. The fullness of Christ. You know what the fullness of Christ is? Colossians 2.9 says that in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Do you know what we've had deposited within us by God's grace and mercy? We've had deposited in us the Holy Spirit who is the fullness of the Godhead in the Spirit. And He's been deposited because of who Jesus is. And God's desire is to fill us with the fullness of a Godhead witness. You remember there's three who bear witness? First John, remember again, First John 5, 7. There are three who bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Remember, there are three who bear witness in heaven. Jesus said on the day of Pentecost, He said, You shall be endued with power, and you will be witnesses unto Me. What will we witness? We will witness the fullness of the Godhead. God, will, God has come to set up camp in the earth. We are His tabernacle. We are His temple. And He wants us to be His habitation. That's what the city church is about. That we should no longer be children... Tossed to and fro and cared about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Well, that's full. We want to be delivered from foolishness, from the spirit of error, from the spirit of deception. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things. Everybody say, grow up. I usually like to say, but we better grow up before Jesus throws up. So that's what he's after. I would that you're cold or hot because you're lukewarm. Folks, you can't put it any other way. Spewing you out of your mouth, that's throw up. That's Revelation chapter 3 for those who may not know that. That you may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Grow up into him. Grow into him who is the head Christ from whom... The whole body. Everybody say whole body. The whole body. The whole church. The whole city church. All the fivefold ministers. All the members of the body. 
Nobody's greater than the other. Everybody works in their own part. Watch this is what he said. Joined and knit together. Joined by the Spirit. We're joined to each other and then we're being knit together. Knitting is a process. We've talked about it, haven't we? By what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part, everybody say every part. I'm a part. Say that. I dare you. If you confess you're a part, then He's working on your part. And you don't know yet what that's going to be like until the Lord begins to show it to you. And it's going to be amazing. You're an amazing work of God. It's He who works in you. He's working in you. He will finish what He started in you. He'll perfect what concerns you. If you continue to seek Him. Amen? Now listen, by which every part does its share, every part does its share, causes growth. There's that word growth again. Growth for what? Growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Love ultimately is the bond of perfection. We love to quote the, the, the love passage in, in 1 Corinthians 13. It's interesting that chapter 13 comes between 12 and 14. Isn't that interesting? 12, 13, 14. There it is. In the sandwich right in between. It's the stuff in between. It's the love chapter. And it says, when that which is perfect has come. What, what is he talking about? I believe he's talking about perfect love. Somebody says, well, I believe he's talking about the perfect one. Well, the perfect one and the perfect love are one and the same. Don't you think so? so but, but at the same time, when he's working among us, there's a perfect love within us that's waiting to be expressed. When that which is perfect to come is, has come, then that which is in part, or literally what you are in part, will be done away with because you'll be filled with the fullness of His fullness. What is the fullness? It's the fullness of the Godhead. Jesus prayed. Pastor Kevin preached on this last week. Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer. He said, Father, I would that they were one as we are as the Father and the Son are. Now you can't, you can't deduce that any other way than say that's Godhead oneness. That's Godhead fullness. Jesus spoke of being the Father being in Him and Him being in the Father. And then He speaks of us, us being in Him and Him being in us. That's fullness. The fullness that God's after is His own fullness. He wants His own fullness. That's what He's going to have. That's what the, the body of Christ is going to be. It's going to be His fullness expressed. That's what we're to be after. That's what we should, throw, should be pressing into. Pastor Kevin and I talked about that, about the word strive, because he mentioned the word strive, that we shouldn't strive. And he and I discussed this, and there is, a, there is a striving that is a good striving. Jesus said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. What was he talking about? He's talking about the kingdom of God. Press, pursue, pursue righteousness, faith, etc., etc., pursue. And that's what, that, that's what when, when we hear the message of the city church, that's what we're called to do, is press, pursue, and to strive for that. Don't strive in the flesh. That's, that's really what, what, what the difference is. Don't strive in the flesh, because you can't perfect in the Spirit what, by striving in the flesh. We've already mentioned that. There is a rest that belongs to the people of God. Amen? All right. So anyhow, I divided this thing up. Every part does its share. And here's what I want you to see about that. This, this, this verse is the, is the crux of what I want to be able to say today. And I'm not going to have time to say it, so catch it if you can. 3 John chapter, 
only has one chapter, it says verse 2. 3 John 2. Old Roberts did not write this in there. Remember, he used to say it all the time. What is the prayer? The prayer is that we may prosper and be in health as our soul prospers. Our soul is the measuring stick for the prosperity of our lives. Prosperity does not just mean money. As a matter of fact, in this context, it really doesn't mean money. Prosperity means to have a good journey. But how many of you know you can't have a good journey if you start out here going over to California and you run out of money halfway? So money is not the fact that we're against it, but prosperity ultimately is to have a good journey that you would prosper. And the, and the measuring stick is your soul, how your soul is doing. Now this is where I believe we connect with where I think Pastor Kevin wants to go next month, maybe a month after. I don't know. I'm not trying to tell him what to do. He's telling me. But, uh, but the inward man consists of the spirit and the soul, correct? The inward man has a heart. The inward man has a mind. Amen? The inward man has a will. Now here, here's what I, I, I would like to say to you, and this is very important. And you just catch this because I'm not speaking with Scripture. I'm just speaking to you. Take it. When we were created... We were created to live by the life of God. When sin came and death came, the soul that sins, it shall die. What happened was, even though man was described as flesh, he was not created to live out of the flesh, he was created to live out of the Spirit. And so man is called flesh, even in creation. But he was, he was created even with a fleshly body to live out of the life of God. Here's something that I, I heard. I, I heard very little. I don't think I ever heard it for the first 10, 15 years of my ministry. We were created to live by the life of another. And for us to say that I'm doing my own thing is a lie. You cannot do your own thing. There's only two wills in the earth. The will of God and the will of Satan. The will of light and the will of darkness. The will of good and the will of evil. And it's our choice which comes from the soul of man, which is the very life of man, to choose which way he will live and who he will follow. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If the Lord be God... Serve Him. If Baal be God, serve Him. There's only two choices. You see, fleshly pride thinks that they're living their own life. They don't know the Scriptures. They don't know the truth. You're living a lie. You can't live your own life. I want that to come home to us. Because there is, there is within us this living soul. On the day that He breathed His breath into us, the Spirit of life into us, into that dirt blob. Because what it was is dirt. We take, really take care of a lot of this dirt, don't we? Dirt bags, you know, anyhow. <laughs> he breathed and and man became living soul. In the day that you sin thereof, you shall surely die. The soul that sins, it shall die. So really, if you go to even to the New Testament, much less the Old Testament, you'll find 
that a born-again man is still called a mortal. Because you're born again in your spirit, mortality is a part of the soul condition. Even though we're born again, we still have the constitution. Listen, and this is very important, don't get confused. Still have the constitution of being dead to God unless you receive the grace of God by the Spirit of God and the ministry of God to approach God by the blood of Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? If you try to do it any other way, it's called dead works. There's nothing can be produced from a mortal soul. A mortal soul exists for the purpose of choosing life and not death. Choosing blessing and not cursing. Choosing God and not Satan. Choosing light and not darkness. I will not walk in the light. I will not dwell in the light. I will go from light to light. I will go from faith to faith. I will go from strength to strength. Amen. I choose that. Somebody say, well, you, you sound like you sort of proud. No, no. I believe I have a choice. I, I don't live a case sarah sarah life. You remember what that is? Whatever will be, will be. Fooey. The future is the Lord's, you see. So if I follow Him, I know where my future is. Amen. I know that's good, but we're still not hardly halfway down the road. Here we go. So the, so the Ephesians passage said He causes growth of the body. So we grow up in all things into Him who is the head Christ. That's, that's what we're after is, is to grow up into Him. Remember again in the verse 13, what we're after is to come into the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God. Revelation. Inspiration. I, listen, I know you've had to have, you, I've had times when the Lord has just breathed on me. And I've had so much overcoming revelation, I couldn't keep up with it. I've already told you this, I don't know if you remember it. It can come and it can also be slip, slip away from you. But it's amazing when the wind of the Holy Spirit blows across your spirit and you begin to see things you hadn't seen and hear things you hadn't heard, know things you hadn't known, and you say, My Lord, have mercy. What in the world are you doing, Lord? That's the, that's the whole nature of this, this body of Christ. I see, aren't we glad, Brad, that when the Lord blows on me and He hadn't blown on you, whatever He's blown on me is going to be yours anyhow. When He blows on you and hadn't blown on me, what He's blown on you is going to be a part of me anyhow. See, what tendency is, is when the Lord blows on you and He doesn't blow on me, I get mad because He blew on you. There's a reason the Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's amazing. See, if, if, if I understand that I'm supposed to be after my part and after the, the work of God in my soul, see, I understand that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, that He restores my soul. I understand that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting my soul. And I understand that that's an ongoing process. And that, again, please understand me, you may disagree with me, but I, here's what I'm going to say it again. The process, the process is involved in the commitment to the city church. It's not involved in anything else. That's why we got things looking real strange out there in the church. That's why we got strange things being said out there in the church. You ever, you ever realize, it seems like in, in, invariably a church body is filled with people who are not merciful. 
As soon as somebody shows up who has mercy, we call them a whim. Or vice versa. There's maybe a church that is involved in speaking like the was talking today, the word of judgment. Well, that sounds harsh. And the people who are mercy-driven say, well, there's no place for me. They sound real bad. And so the mercy gifts get up and walk out. We need you. Stay with us. We can't fake this stuff. I'm becoming what I have been predestined to become. When I was born again, literally, I believe, and you may agree or not, when I was born, I was predestined. And then when I was born again, I came into that what I was predestined by the Spirit. And then the work began with converting my soul. It's about, well, brother, when I got born again, I got converted. Well, you did. You got converted when you got born again, but how converted are you? It's just like saying you got saved when you got born again, but how saved are you? Now, that's a good question, isn't it? Look in the mirror and ask yourself that. How saved are you? Oh, I'm ashamed. I can be ashamed. I said, now, shame is not good. I can be guilty. But I can get, I can get rid of guilt. Isn't that what the word is we've heard? I don't play word tricks, but that's a good, good word. Are you following me? I've got about another hour left. So y'all don't understand. I can see all of y'all at the same time. I know who's with me and who's already gone. That's okay. I used to tell, I used to tell my people when I, when I was much younger and didn't know much better. I'd tell them, I said, listen, you go ahead and go to sleep if you want to go to sleep. It'll be the best sleep you've had in a long time. You'll be at great peace. I wouldn't holler at them. Remember the old churches back in the, the 1800s, 1700s? They'd had, they had a stick. They'd reach across there and bop you on the head. They would. I, I'm, I'm, in, that, in that church history, Brad, wouldn't they do that? Yeah. I said, oh, man, just have, have your rest. Take your ease. For the, for the edifying of itself in love, the whole body edifies, builds up. I'm here this morning in my calling and the anointing on my life and the life, this life message to build you up. I want you to leave today knowing that you can arrive at the place where God called you to come and go toward. I want you to know that. Not because of you, but because by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There it is. Somebody said, well, that's a good one to lead people to Christ. That's a, live, that's a good one to live by for Christ. By grace, through faith. Now, let me just throw this in, in, to tantalize you because I don't have a lot of time to develop it, so I'm not going to try to develop it. Turn to Romans chapter 4. Let me show you something. Something that's really ministered to me over the last few years. And I just want to drop it in your little repertoire of memory. And, and if it confuses you and you get all upset, go ask Pastor Kevin. He'll straighten it out. It's good. It's good to be preaching with another preacher because he can always straighten things out. I like that. For years, I had to be the one straightening things out. 
That's, that's a terrible place to be when you don't have somebody to straighten you out. Romans chapter 4, are you there? Listen to this. Let's begin reading at verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He's talking about Abraham. That's where this whole thing started about the seed, in terms of it, be, it be, being crystallized and being able to be seen. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God. Somebody say God. Now here's what God does. Mark chapter 11 verse 23 tells us to have faith in God. Literally, you know what that means? It means have the faith of God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, that Jesus is the author and the finisher. He's the originator and the developer of our faith. So it's really the faith of God that we have when we get born again. Every born again person in here, you have, the, you have the spirit of faith in you. You can use it to access His grace. But here's what He said, God who gives life to the dead, I want you to get a hold of that, He gives life to the dead, if you are mortal, what did I say a while ago in reference to our relationship with God? As a mortal, we are dead to God. But as a born-again person, we have access to His life. Amen? So if you don't access His life, then you can live like a dead man. If you don't choose to access the life of God, you're already accessing the life of the devil. Or the death of the devil, if you want to say it like that. Or the darkness... You don't, have to, you don't have to choose it. It chooses you when you don't choose the Lord. Does that make sense to anybody? See, this thing's not complicated. There's only two roads to take. There's only two choices to make. It's not complicated. This thing sure is complicated. I tell you, it mixes me up. No, it's not mixing it up at all. If you just know what the Scripture says, the Lord makes it real clear. It's this or this. What do you want? I'm not a brain, but I can tell you what, as Gump said, I'm not a smart man, but I know what choice to make, yeah. Amen? And so, this thing's about Abraham, and he's talking to Abraham, and he said, now here, here's who's talking to you. I call things that are not alive, or that are dead, I call them, I give life to it. And he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This message has been used to confess cars and boats and houses and riches and a whole lot of stuff. Now listen, I'm not going to find fault with that because that's really somewhat infantile. What he's talking about, he's talking about what he's going to get ready to say here in the next verse. You can call something that is not in you, and you can call it like it is. How many of you know I've already done that this morning? He who has begun a good work in me will finish it. That's calling what's not as though it is. He will perfect what concerns me. That's calling what not as it is. 
It is He who works in me to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's calling what's not as it is. And here's, 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 here's where you get the enlightenment from it. Who contrary to hope and hope believes, so that He became the Father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. But not being weak in faith, He did not consider His own body. He didn't consider what was. Because death was His epitaph. Or epitaph, as it, as it, as it defined his, his ability to reproduce. Why? Because of the deadness of Sarah's womb. Mortality was right before him, and yet now he's talking to this God who calls things that be not as though they are. See, when we, when we, when we begin to worship at the altar of, O oh Lord, I am nothing, and I'll never be nothing. And that sounds so spiritual. But what we ought to say is, O oh Lord, I've been born of your Spirit. You've deposited your life within me. My body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been poured out upon me. You've joined yourself to me. You've come to do a work, and I'm yielding, submitting, giving over, giving up. Lord God, I just do that today. In this day, this day I choose to follow you. I choose to hear your voice. And, and, and as you go through your Christian experience, that will change from time to time in terms of its intensity in times, in times of the Lord helping you, giving you repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Amen? And so I want us to see that. If you wonder why it is that people that are born again can end up in stupid stuff, it starts out with a bad choice on a given day. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God does not tempt men with evil, but every man is drawn away of his own desire and enticed. And when sin has been conceived, it brings forth death. That's what happens when it's finished. Desire brings forth... I'm quoting out of James chapter 1, matter of fact. Don't get confused, but just check me out. But the whole point is God's not involved in that. Now, there are times in, in great moments of promotion that the Lord will lead you through a valley of the shadow of death. Don't get wrong with that. Somebody know what I'm talking about? I can say to you that this past three or four years, I've been through that valley of the shadow of death. And that's why I said earlier, I've said, Lord, I will not die, but I will live and declare the works of God. And I said, well, that sounds very arrogant. No, that's calling things that be not as though they are. Because God hasn't come to kill me. God's come to make me alive. God hasn't come just to tantalize me. He's come to have me grow up into the head who is Christ. He wants me to grow up into Him in everything. And I'll say again, I need to keep saying this. You can't get there without being committed to the city church concept. Without understanding the mosaic. Without putting it in practice. In the bond of peace. In the perfection of the bond of love, you can't get there without that commitment. That's what the city church is all about. And so I wanted us to see that God, you know, you go back all the way to Genesis chapter 11, and you see God arresting Abram, and then coming to him in chapter 15 and saying, Listen, I am your exceeding great reward. I am your... Folks, that's what I'm presenting to you today in the city church. I'm not offering you some kind of get-rich scheme. 
You're going to get all your prayers answered and everything's going to be beautiful. But I'm, I'm guaranteeing you this. If you'll get after God, you will find God through Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit in a way that you never knew you could. And then He'll begin to run you down and take you over. That's what He meant by seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these stuffs will be added to you. Don't seek after the stuff. Seek after God. And when you're going through a thin time, just understand that that thinness can't last too long because you're after Him, getting a hold of Him. He is the provider of every need. Amen? He's the sustainer. He told, he told Abraham, He said, I am your shield. Genesis 15. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. You're my I'm calling you to be the bearer of the seed of promise. And I want to take just a moment without getting too far today. can't get too far down the road with it. But there's a lot about Abraham, folks, I'd love to talk to you about. But think about Sarah's womb, the deadness of her womb. I'm telling you, that is definition of our soul. That's what I see the Lord showed me. I was talking to Pastor Kevin about it. We're not disagreeing about it. We're just, it's just something you see a little different. The deadness of her womb. That womb could not form the seed in it. That womb could not produce the seed, the child, in it. I'm telling you for all of us to understand. Inside of us there is a soul. And even in the deadness of that soul, if we will believe God, continue like Abraham, believe God, but keep believing God, He will form in our soul. Woo! Somebody going to sleep. I'm sorry, woke you up. <laughs> he will form in your soul the very image and the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you'll be filled with the fullness and you won't know what to do with it hardly. That's why some people get up and run around the church. That's why some people bounce off of walls. That's because they've seen something you maybe hadn't seen or you hadn't seen it in a long time. Amen? It's true. That's what I wanted to just make certain that I, that I got across to you today. The deadness of your soul. You're mortal. I'm mortal. We should rejoice in being mortal because it's He who makes us alive. He calls things to be not as though they are. Gives life to the dead. Brings forth. He's going to bring forth the Son of God out of our, the womb of our soul, as it were. He's going to feel the fullness of my, of my part. I'm going, I'm going to grow up in my part into the head, Christ. Christ being formed in me, the hope of glory. He's in me. I want to get committed to that. I want to stay committed to that. I want Him to teach me. I want Him to lead me into all truth. I want to be after it. I don't want to stop short. I want to run my race. I want to finish my course. I want to fight the fight. I want to keep the faith. We haven't really talked much about the faith, but the faith, there it is until we all come to the unity of the faith. That's what I want. I wish I could say to you every day, I'm really just so, so committed to it. But I can tell you this, in any given day when I'm not that committed to it, I get chastened. For whom the Lord chastened, loves, He chastens, scourges every son whom He receives. We're talking about sonship here. We're not talking about babes, infants, and little, little teeny ones. We're talking about sons here. We're talking about those who are coming into Father's business. He will chasten the son. 
He'll correct us. He'll instruct us. He'll reprove us. He'll rebuke us. You'll think sometime you're going to die. That's why, I, that's why I like what the psalmist said. He's chasing me sorely, but he hadn't given me over unto death. I thought he was going to kill me, but he didn't. Because he's come to give me life. He's come to turn me away from the path of death and turn me back into the path of life. Hold fast what you've received. That no man take your crown, not even your own humanity. Take your crown. Hold fast. That's to the, one of the churches, remember over there, I think it was to the church of Ephesus, he said that. Anyhow, it makes no difference. One of those seven churches. Are you seeing a little bit of what I'm trying to say? Abraham was looking for that city in Hebrews chapter 11. He was looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. So if you go back all the way to Genesis chapter 11 with this dealing with Abraham, Abram called Abraham, it has to do with what we're talking about. It's, it's the city church. It's the city. Somebody say, I'm the city church. Yes, you are. You're calling things to be not as though they are. Because that's what the Bible says. Come, I'll show you the bride. I'll show you the lamb. The bride of the, bride of the lamb. And he showed them the New Jerusalem. Everybody stand up. New Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God. Filled with the glory of God. See, Pastor Brad, I believe that, that what I'm talking about, about fullness, I believe that is for me. I don't have any, any, any mistakes about thinking about, you know, that you have to get committed to it for me to get it. <laughs> but I can tell you this, I have to get committed to it to get it. And if you, for you to get yours, you're going to have to get committed to it too. You're going to have to be as concerned about me getting mine as you are about you getting yours. That's what the Bible says. And when we become that committed to one another, boy, the fight is on. The devil is in the boat, phone booth dialing 911 saying it ain't fair, it ain't fair, it ain't fair. They've awakened up to realize who they are. They are calling things that be not as though they are. Life to the dead, my land, have mercy. They're believing this stuff. God, Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. When he believed him when he talked to him about that seed. Look at the stars and count them. Look at the heavens and count them if you can. That's how, how, how multiplied it will be. Look at the earth beneath and count the sand if you can. That's how it's going to be multiplied and abound. Huh? I heard somebody say amen. <laughs> this, this, this is wonderful. And so I don't, I don't know that I'm finished talking about the city church. But I, I would love to talk about this inward man. I'll tell you, there's a, there's a treasure inside of here. Ooh, Jesus. See, see, when anybody talks to you about what faith is about, faith is about calling things that be not as though they are. Listen, faith is not calling things that are as though they're not. That's not faith. It's calling things that be not as though they are. And it's by the exercise of the Word of God. It's not about the exercise of your imagination. It's about the exercise of the Word of God. If you want to get God on the scene, take His Word, put it in your mouth, and begin to speak it to God, and God will do something in your heart that you couldn't have done by, by positive thinking. We're not talking about positive thinking. I, I, I sort of hate to hear people talk about be positive. It has nothing to do with positive thinking. It has something to do about trusting God. I, I, I dumped the positive message a long time ago. Because sometimes when I preach it sounds a little negative. But I know in my heart that if it will hear it like it's supposed to be heard, that negative becomes a positive. Amen? How many of you know that thou shalt not do any murder is pretty negative? 
But for the purpose person who's about ready to get murdered, it's pretty positive, isn't it? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you've been so good today. Appreciate you paying attention. I think most of you paid attention. For those of you who had a hard time, bless your heart too. I believe God bless you. you listen, I'm, I, here's what I do believe. I'll just say this is mysterious. But when somebody's willing to come and sit in a congregation like this, it'll get on you if it doesn't get in you. And if it keeps getting on you, it's like, like walk, walking along the riverbank. After a while, if you're not careful, you'll slide right on in. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? I, I, I really believe in the work of the Spirit. So I'd bring my children, but they'll go to sleep. Let them go to sleep. Well, they snore. Who cares? Listen, I used to go to sleep laying right up here at prayer, prayer meetings. I felt so unspiritual because when I, I heard laughter in the background I, when I woke only to find out that I was snoring. got to understand, this body is something else, isn't it? This flesh is something else. Well, amen. Well, it's been good. I didn't get to preach as much as I wanted to preach, but this has been good. I've, I've preached myself happy, and I think you hear something about Abraham and God dealing with Abraham. I want you to be that. You have access into this grace wherein you stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God by faith. Again, let me say, faith is taking the Word of God up in your mouth, in your heart. See, you can't, make, you, you can't make your heart believe, but if you take the Word of God up in your mouth and you'll begin to meditate it and you'll begin to mutter it and you'll begin to imagine it, God will do something. God will do something that only God can do. It's not your power of positive thinking. Don't, don't, don't sit down and begin to worship at the, at the altar of your great mind and intellect our great knowledge of the scriptures because it doesn't come by that it comes by God himself showing up amen I could just keep on I tell you you ever been to meet God on a good many occasions and he didn't show up not much was accomplished was it but if you keep seeking what did he say you'll find him you know why you'll find him because he'll let you not because you're so smart but he'll let you. Well, amen. Amen. Let's, let's lift our hands together. Let me pray for you.